Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Our guest today is Adam Reeds, co-founder and CEO of Ledin, a company that helps people save in Bitcoin and digital assets. I'm really excited to talk to you today, Adam. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me on, Sal. Of course. And so let's talk a little bit about you first. As I mentioned, you're the co-founder and CEO of Ledin, which is a Bitcoin-based loan company, which you're going to tell us a little bit about. But how about about yourself? When did you start in the crypto space? Yeah, so I got introduced to Bitcoin. Definitely have to credit my good friend and co-founder, Mauricio. So I was actually, I spent most of my career in energy finance. So building and uh, financing and developing uh, renewable power projects, primarily wind and solar. And so I was in the infrastructure and energy space. And my co-founder was originally from Venezuela. And that's how he got into to Bitcoin, really out of necessity and ability to earn an asset that uh, could be traded for US dollars in a country that's experiencing crazy inflation. And uh, as he was coming uh, back and forth, we went to business school together, as I mentioned, about 15 years ago. Uh, at the University of Western Ontario. And from there, uh, about 2014, he'd come back and we had been, been chatting about um, Bitcoin and he'd introduced to it and wanted to continue mining in, in Bitcoin. And I, of course, said, well, what's mining? And uh, I said, well, it needs cheap power. And I said, well, I, I can help you out with that. Uh, I'm in the energy space. And uh, uh, so we kind of got looking around and uh, eventually decided to do a, a pilot project together, really just uh, for fun. And I thought, you know, the best way to forced myself to learn about it was to, to set up a venture together. And so it really just started as a fun venture. We just started mining together. And then I was amazed that you could trade something that a computer created for real dollars. And to, for me, the connection between something that uh, was energy intensive to create, uh, converting that back to dollars was really fascinating because obviously normally you're, you're spending money to create energy. In this right. case, you're taking energy and creating essentially money. And that's what really the, the, the uh, Bitcoin is, is doing. And so through that, that kind of was you know, over, over several years and then it evolved to, well, how do we expand this thing, right? How do we take it from a real business and be coming from the energy space and being used to doing really large structured financing? I was amazed that you couldn't finance the asset class as in you couldn't go to a bank and say, okay, I'm building a Bitcoin mine. And they go, great, here's a 80% uh, loan to value mortgage uh, to expand that. Right, it just didn't didn't exist. So through through many conversations there, we decided to to switch gears, and uh, I moved out of my day job and co-founded Ledin with him, and uh, focused on financial products for for Bitcoin. But you did mention that you can't go to a bank, and of course, that's an understatement, right? I mean, even now, it was an understatement back then that companies didn't want to touch Bitcoin, financial institutions didn't want to touch cryptocurrency. Even if you had cryptocurrency associated with you as a business, they wanted nothing to do with you because all they thought about was like ICO scams and stuff like that. They didn't really care what your business was. They just didn't want to deal with you. Absolutely. So not only will they not finance it, they won't even even just provide banking for it. And and in some ways, it's frustrating trying to run a business and connect with banks, but the regulation is just so complex. And I think the, the risk reward for them, uh, at least the perceived reward of, of the size of the market compared to, again, the incorrect uh, view of the risk associated with it just doesn't provide motivation for moving that forward. At least, uh, you know, that that's true in Canada where we're based. I'm sure it's true in the US as well. So yeah, where there's problems, creates opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And when did Ledin start? What year did you guys launch? Yeah, so we launched the business in 2017 as far as creating it. And then we incorporated Ledin Inc. in 2018 
to commensurate our, our seed round and said we were we had another entity that we were mining in and really structured things out and incorporated Latin in late 2018 and then we launched our online products in early 2019. Okay, so the reason I ask aside from you know wanting to know more about the company, but obviously the end of 2017 was when Bitcoin really picked up steam in the mainstream. Everybody was talking about Bitcoin because the price had gone so high. So cryptocurrency really became a mainstream focus. And I'm wondering, have you noticed that banks and institutions have become more accepting of Bitcoin and crypto in the years that you've been in the space since the end of 2017? Because you would think the end of 2017 would be the year where people would say, where institutions would say, okay, this is serious. This is going to make us a lot of money. And there were a lot of institutions that did that and a lot of individuals that got into crypto because of that. But I'm wondering, did that high price of Bitcoin cause some of these institutions to really change their tune and to really start accepting crypto? Yeah, on the institutional side, we're seeing a little bit of it. I wouldn't say it's coming in, in, in droves like you know, was a lot of the discussion last year was about. I would say what is coming is we get the opportunity to speak to people all over the world about Bitcoin because we're a global company that offers our services in most markets. And there's a huge dichotomy between people that have grown up in either oppressive regimes or just regimes that experience high inflation and their willingness to understand and, and want to learn about Bitcoin versus American or, or Canadian that just really hasn't had to deal with inflationary issues. So that's what, what I see. I see many people overseas that are really curious and willing to dive in. So I, I'd say for us, it's more coming at the individual level. I think uh, at the institutional level, it'll be clients pushing them to want to get into it. An example of that is there's a large company owned by Power Corp in Canada called uh, Wealth Simple. That's uh, the American version of, of Robinhood, and they just launched uh, Wealth Simple last week. So they would be a less traditional than a big institution because they have a very millennial-based uh, client base. But I, I think when you see that, obviously they're getting de demand for it, they're getting inquiries, so they build something that the, the market wants. But I do think it has to, it's going to come the other way. I think it's have to come with clients asking for a service and it getting big enough that they feel that there's an immediate revenue that they can generate and, and earn, earn money from it. So, Yeah, I appreciate that information. And I mean, like you said, you just as a consumer, you can tell a lot of these companies have more of a millennial base and therefore are starting to offer more cryptocurrency-based products like Cash App, for example. You can buy Bitcoin on Cash App. Robinhood, you had mentioned you can buy crypto on Robinhood you know, we're not like sponsored by them or anything like that. But I recently checked out the cash app process and it was super easy to purchase some Bitcoin. Absolutely. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about what kind of services and what kind of products Ledin offers? Yeah, for sure. So we offer lending and savings products today. And uh, really everything is on the mission to help more people save in, in Bitcoin and digital assets. Digital assets is in there because we support stable coins. So we haven't gone full where we have, you know, a hundred different altcoins that you can provide on the platform. Uh, we, we do our best to keep things simple. So we've really focused on core products that we think add value to what people are, are doing uh, with these assets. So we have four products today. We have a dollar loan product where you can put up Bitcoin as collateral and access a U.S. dollar loan uh, available to be dispersed in U.S. dollars to your bank account or in, in uh, stable coins to an address of your choosing. Uh, we also have a product called Buy2X or B2X for short. And what that is, is it's a loan to purchase additional Bitcoin. So that came out of you know, watching our, our, our customers to the platform, take out dollars, move the dollars from exchange to buy more Bitcoin and uh, increase their holdings. And we thought, why can't we just allow this to happen all in one place? 
So we launched that and called it B2X. And then on the savings side, we have a, a Bitcoin savings account that currently pays 4.1% uh, APY. And we have a USDC savings account that pays 8.8% APY. And in the savings accounts, we've collaborated with Genesis, uh, the largest institutional lender in the space to provide certainty and, and transparency on who we're lending those assets to. So with that, uh, Genesis acts as our primary borrower for those accounts. So what we wanted to do was in order to generate interest for those accounts, the assets have to be lent out. We had kind of a decision to make is do we build out a full institutional trading arm or sorry, lending arm, not trading arm, to lend out those assets and do it in a sustainable fashion and in a secure secure fashion, of course. And so we thought we could build that out or we could partner with the largest group in the space. And that's through the collaboration of, of Genesis. So for those that don't know Genesis, they're a subsidiary of Digital Currency Group, uh, one of the largest companies in the space. And they've done over $6 billion of Bitcoin and digital asset loans to date. So very experienced team, awesome guys that we've got to know over a long period of time. And we were absolutely ecstatic to partner with them on, on these products. And it's funny that you said we thought whether we should build it out or should we just partner. And when you're in the software space, you kind of want to do things yourself. You want to say, hey, we did this. This is all us. This is all our work. But sometimes the right move is to just partner out and to go with somebody else who's in the space, who's been in the space for a while, who has a trusted business model and a trusted you know, software, whatever it is, and to work with them. Sometimes that is the right move. Yeah, exactly. And for us, it just allows us to have more resources to focus on building a better uh, retail experience, mm -hmm. right? So more resources to improve the application and uh, let more people know about these products. Yeah, absolutely. So you have a few products. So let's first talk about the Bitcoin collateral loan. So you said that you have to give Bitcoin as collateral and then you can take out USD backed loan? Yeah, exactly. So this is an alternative to selling Bitcoin. So uh, really serves two purposes. For one, it allows people to access cash without selling their Bitcoin. So you retain the, the full upside in the Bitcoin price. And uh, the other piece it has is it does, you know, obviously we're on a Bitcoin tax uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. So it, it has uh, certain tax advantages in, I guess, given asterisk that, of course, with any tax advice and that um, you, you need to consult your own advisor. But uh, in most situations, it's not tax avoidance, it's tax deferral. So uh, if you have large capital gains built up in Bitcoin and you have a lower adjusted cost base, by taking a loan, I can allow you, just as we said, loans are, loans are not taxable because you're borrowing against your own assets. So in the loan process, in, again, in, in most situations, it would not be considered a sale. Uh, so you can borrow against the value of that asset, perhaps invest it in other assets that you, you have a strong conviction in. And then when, when the timing is right, repay that loan and then sell the Bitcoin at a later date. So what are the lengths of the loan? Is it typically a year loan or do you guys go longer um, repayments or is it typically a year? Yeah, so it's super simple. Most consumer loans are, are one year, 12 months. So we, we match that but it can be repaid at any time. So there's no prepayment penalties. You don't have to pay the interest. Uh, you know, if you only use it for six months, you pay six months of interest. There's no additional charges for repaying it early. And then as long as market conditions are, are still as they are, uh, we automatically renew those loans. And so most clients that um, have been using the platform just keep renewing their loans on an annual basis, assuming that uh, they like the product, which we're seeing. <laughs> so do you find that's a common use case then for, and of course, like you said, it's not avoidance, but not to use the term avoid, but to avoid capital gains for that year, at least, because you're deferring them until you pay it back. Is that a common use case, do you think? Like somebody has a lot of capital gains, let's say in 2019, and they're like, man, I can't add any more capital gains. I need to get rid of this Bitcoin right now. I want to defer these gains until 2020. Is that a common use case? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really just another tool in your financial planning toolbox. So I'd say, you know, the interest rate on the loans is higher than a traditional mortgage, right? So if you're saying, okay, well, do I borrow from my Bitcoin or do I borrow from my home equity line? It probably makes sense to borrow from your home equity line. But Mm -hmm. because there is not solutions for borrowing against Bitcoin as an asset class, that's where our product comes in. And that uh, say someone has a lot of gains built up in their Bitcoin and they want to diversify, they want to buy real estate, or they want to do something even more exciting, like perhaps start a business and they need some seed capital to get that doing. We're seeing all types of use cases for it. And absolutely, it can have tax advantages uh, is one, but just the sheer fact that you can uh, take liquidity without selling and uh, retain the upside as well. Obviously, if if the Bitcoin price moves more than the interest costs uh, for the loan, it it paid for itself. And given the historical performance of Bitcoin, in a lot of cases, it made a lot of sense to do that. So Interesting. And so then the next product you talked about was a B2X, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we see a lot of people, obviously, people that own Bitcoin, uh, if you ask them if they want more of it, uh, of course, uh, the majority of the time they say yes. So this product allows people to do exactly that. It does, so you can borrow dollars against your Bitcoin. We lend lend you the dollars and we allow you to buy more Bitcoin all in one place. And so the the simple math is, let's say to make it easy, the price of Bitcoin is $10,000 US. Mm -hmm. So you deposit one Bitcoin and we would lend you an additional $10,000 and you would buy another Bitcoin at the instant uh, that you took out that loan. So it happens simultaneously. You end up with two Bitcoin with the $10,000 loan against it. So it's exact same in the position as if you had two Bitcoin to start with and then took a $10,000 loan. The only difference is we're, we're just purchasing on the spot and you're owning more Bitcoin versus sending you dollars. So it, it, you know, it serves a different need. It's, a, it's for people that don't need cash, but feel have a strong conviction to owning more Bitcoin. So it almost sounds to me like, and I could be wrong here, almost sounds to me like a, like a margin trade almost. It has the same use case. I think the, the big thing that we're doing with Latin is that the comparison I like to make is if you open up uh, BitMEX, kind of looks like you're managing a nuclear power station, right? There's a whole <laughs> bunch of red lights and green lights going off and a whole bunch of complex terms that, you know, until you know, you're really, really comfortable with a trading platform like that, it, it, you know, it takes a little bit of a ramp up. What we're trying to do with Latin is really, really simplify the experience and, and frankly, just the terminology that we use, right? So it's not a 100x margin trade where you have a whole bunch of complicated levers and adjustments to make. It's simply a loan to buy more Bitcoin. And the terms are very transparent on what you're entering into all on one screen at the time of placing the order. But essentially, you're going long on Bitcoin, right? You're absolutely going long on Bitcoin, yeah. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, honestly. And that's something that's necessary because you're right. When you go on a margin trading platform, there really is so much there that it's hard for a lot of people to get into. I mean, crypto in general can be hard for somebody to get into, especially just an investor that doesn't know a lot about cryptocurrency, but does want to make some money, does want to do some investments in crypto. And then you talk about margin and it's like, man, they might just get a headache and just turn around and say, forget this. It's way too complex for me. I'm going to stick with yep. like stocks or real estate or whatever. So really what you're doing is a great idea. I appreciate it. Yeah. And it's really just a simplifying that like, decision-making process, right? You own Bitcoin. A, do you want more of it? That's B2X. Uh, do you want to take off dollars because you have an expense or investment that you want to cover? That's our borrow product. Or do you want to just simply save it and earn an interest rate and that's our save product? So I think within those three use cases, we might add slightly more features within that to iterate on it. But I think we just want to make that experience better and better and really, really uh, simplified as much as we can. Very cool. And then finally, there was, well, you have two savings accounts, right? You said Bitcoin and then a USDC based one. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, the USCC, obviously, that's the, the stable coin uh, put together by uh, Circle and uh, Coinbase and uh, Center Corporation. So each USDC is pegged one to one to US mm-hmm. dollars. So it's a way for people to earn a great rate if they're in the US and already have access to US dollars or in other markets where it's harder to obtain US dollars provides a far less uh, frictionless way to really earn a US dollar based yield. So what's the percentage of interest uh, gained on the USCC one? It's 8.8% uh, APY. So for something interesting from Latin is from inception, we've never uh, lowered our rates through our collaboration with Genesis. We were able to provide really good certainty on the rates. And we do look to adjust it if there is change in market conditions. Uh, but to date, we've been very, very stable on those rates. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So are there any products or any services that you'd want to talk about today that you guys as a company are considering or an idea that somebody on the team has had that you guys think needs to be done? Yeah, of course. Uh, So we're going to make it easy for people to move between the products. So obviously being able to convert USDC to Bitcoin uh, directly on the platform. And there's a lot of, again, because we're a global company, there's a lot of friction that we're seeing in other markets that maybe don't exist in the US. So we're doing our best to help uh, get more people in the platform. For example, in Latin America, where we have a significant client base, it's a lot easier to get Bitcoin than it is to get USDC. But a lot of people just want to save and earning 8.8% uh, to them on USDC in some months may be more attractive than earning uh, 4% on Bitcoin or 4.1% on Bitcoin for them. So we want to make it easier for them to get access to those accounts. So we'll be launching a conversion there. Uh, we're also uh, either partnering or launching directly uh, fiat on ramps, again, uh, as a way to, to make the products more accessible. And then uh, a mobile app is definitely something we have planned uh, for later this year to provide a better experience as well. Very cool. So in terms of accessibility, let me ask you this. We mentioned collateral. You need to have collateral for these loans. You know, with traditional loans, you need to have maybe a good credit score. You need to have a decent debt to income ratio. Are you guys considering addressing that? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people that aren't able to get loans and Bitcoin is meant to disrupt all the spaces, financial, et cetera. So are Bitcoin-based loans going to disrupt the difficulty some people have in getting traditional loans because they maybe have bad credit or they don't have a great debt-to-income ratio? Yeah, something that I think, uh, so the short answer is yes, but again, it's market uh, dependent. So I think what we're trying to encourage, again, again in markets outside of, of the US and other developed economies is Bitcoin can be the savings asset that doesn't exist. So for example, I'd rather own Bitcoin uh, than real estate in Venezuela, right? Because A, I can take it with me if I ever need to leave the country. And frankly, it's just more stable. And I don't worry about someone in the government changing rules on me uh, that would affect the value of that asset. True. So uh, I think Bitcoin as a savings asset is, is a narrative that we're really playing out. And then once you have Bitcoin as an asset, you can mortgage it just like you can mortgage your house you know, in a developed market. And that's what you can do with Ledin. So we're trying to encourage that, that behavior to save in, in these assets. And then the financial services we can provide on them is obviously much more straightforward. So for obvious reasons, it's an asset-backed loan. It's not a credit score-based loan. So when you take a, a Ledin, a Bitcoin-backed loan or, or B2X loan, it doesn't affect your credit score. We just need to know that you own the Bitcoin and that you've passed our AML checks and uh, you know KYC checks to in, ensure that we're following proper... Uh, AML regulations. 
So with those two things, you know, are, are you a criminal? Yes, no. And do you have Bitcoin? Yes, no. Once you're past those, you can access the products, which is obviously a far uh, simpler process than, um, you know, a traditional bank loan. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of collateral, are you guys considering lowering that threshold for other people to get in on this that may not have, you know, one Bitcoin, maybe somebody wants to do 0.2 Bitcoin or something? Is there any plans of something like that? Yeah, we do have. Uh, so right now you can take a loan as, as low as $500. That's the minimum amount. Uh, obviously, there's a threshold where uh, we just want to make sense that it makes sense administratively. But because mm -hmm. we've automated the majority of all the pieces of it, we can provide a loan in, in, that, in that amount. And then on the savings accounts, uh, there's no minimum at all. So we have people that deposit uh, $10 of USDC or Bitcoin daily or biweekly to help them save. So yeah, it's exciting. And that, that's part of the ethos of what we want to build is we want to provide that high net worth experience to all levels of income, right? So that brings true on the terms we offer. So there's no difference on terms if you have 100 Bitcoin on the platform or you have 0.1 Bitcoin, you still earn the same rate. And, and that's an ethos that we like. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And it goes along with what you were saying about how you're kind of trying to integrate all of the products that you have. And it does seem like the on-ramp there would be the savings account for maybe somebody that doesn't have a full Bitcoin, you know, start with the savings account, start adding some Bitcoin to the savings account every few weeks, every month, whatever. And then maybe you'll eventually have enough to give collateral toward a loan or do the B2X. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So how about hurdles? Like I mentioned before, there's probably a lot of regulatory hurdles that you guys have encountered, I would assume, with the SEC and how ICO scams back in the day, Bitcoin and crypto has a hard reputation to overcome sometimes when it comes to institutional acceptance. So what were some of the hurdles you guys have faced and are you still dealing with any issues or hurdles in this space? Yeah, I'd say like it's it's a never ending, I guess, a research project and, and <laughs> understanding, uh, you know, when we look at it and we're trying to tackle a lot. So we're looking at really, frankly, every country in the world that's no, that's non-sanctioned is, is how to and who to deal with. And uh, we're doing our best to understand the regulatory framework in those markets. So when we first created Ledin, that was a big exercise to get both ourselves and our investors comfortable on what does the regulatory landscape look like for these products that we're building. And so what we did was we engaged, uh, we used uh, Denton's uh, just because they're a global law firm and they had offices in some of the major markets that we were looking to offer products in. And we, we worked through a giant grid together and we said, okay, what does Bitcoin look like in uh, Ecuador? What does Bitcoin look like in Mexico? What does Bitcoin look like in Canada? What's it look like in Sweden? And uh, what's the regulatory framework for, for Bitcoin? What's the regulatory framework for lending? And uh, obviously not everything has been created. And so... There's no uh, Bitcoin legislation in every single country in the world, and some have moved faster than others, uh, but we just have to do our best to, to stay on top of it. And what we find is that the majority of clients that we deal with and that, frankly, we want to be dealing with want to be doing the right thing. And again, because we're on a Bitcoin taxes podcast, most people are using the savings accounts and they're asking us for the, you know, their 1099 form. They want to be compliant. They're excited about these assets, but they're not trying to break the law. They just, they want to be invested in the space. And the fact that we have made an effort to be a compliant company rings true to them. And uh, it's, I guess, nice to see that behavior, right? And I think the more that gets out in, in mainstream, it'll, it'll really help Bitcoin adoption overall. Yeah, and I, th I think the majority of people in crypto want to do the right thing. They're not trying to avoid, I mean, we deal obviously with taxes a lot. Most people aren't trying to avoid paying their taxes. It's more of a, a confusion. Maybe they don't understand crypto taxation. But yes, I do agree. The majority of people aren't really trying to pull one over on the government. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. 
my grandfather used to have a accounting firm and he used to always joke that uh, you know his clients would say you know what, how much do I have to pay you know, what's going to, what's going on with my taxes and say would you relax the day you pay the most taxes the happiest day of your life because you, you know obviously you made the most money yeah so yeah, yeah I, I think that you know that's it it's like it's not people aren't trying to avoid things it's more of just I think a lack of clarity that comes out of some frustration and, and ensuring that people can remain compliant and deal with these so yeah, it's great to see companies like yours uh, building out these services and providing integration for companies like us to help people do that. Yeah, and like you said, it's the never-ending research. I mean, we're in, and I've said this on the past few episodes, I mean, we're in like the wild west of cryptocurrency. We're in the early days of cryptocurrency. I think I saw somebody on Twitter compare it to like computers when like Windows 95 or something like that was around. You know, they were saying being <laughs> crypto now is like that. And it's true. We are in the early days of cryptocurrency, even though it doesn't feel like it for a lot of us since we've been in the space for a long time. We're still in the wild west. The tax rules and the capital gain rules, you know, we deal with all different countries for Bitcoin taxes. So we have to always look into what are the rules here? What are the rules here? And each year it's like a new government is saying, okay, here's what we're going to say about cryptocurrency taxation. And we have to adapt to that. And then we, we have to alert our customers. Half the time we'll have customers that don't even realize that those are the, the new capital gains rules in their country. And we know before them, I'm a dude from New York. I'm not in Sweden often, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I might know the cryptocurrency taxation rules of, of Sweden because that's the game. You have to know all the rules that are happening because they're happening on a day-to-day basis. For sure. So the DeFi space is blowing up. A lot of people talking about DeFi products. Are you guys dealing with DeFi at all at Ledin? Yeah, you know, the way we're really thinking about that is it gets broadly classified into uh, DeFi versus CeFi being decentralized finance or centralized finance uh, mm-hmm. within the, the uh, I guess, uh, crypto space. And uh, we really see it as, as a spectrum. And so uh, I guess, you know, even like in, in, I guess, hardcore DeFi, the, the whole concept is, okay, well, create a protocol. And then you, with that protocol, things can be completely peer-to-peer. And then we'll start with centralized governance, but then we'll over time, obviously, decentralize all the governance of the protocol uh, so it operates the way, I guess, you know, to draw a comparison that the way uh, Bitcoin operates today and that um, the way proposals and such are put forward. I think the reality is, is there's, uh, you know, in, even within DeFi, there's a lot of parts that are centralized today. And the benefits of centralization is, frankly, what we're seeing is it allows you to provide a really good user experience and you know, really control how people interact with, with the products. One part that we get asked a lot is, will you ever create a token? Uh, is there a way for us to participate in, in, in Ledin? I think, you know, obviously through the ICO tokens, uh, we've seen uh, the challenge of that from a regulatory perspective. Uh, so that's a concern for us in, in doing that. But I think what Compound's done is really interesting in that, you know, they've provided a way for people to get really excited about participating in the governance of it. I think that the tricky part right now is that people are doing things with yield farming, uh, meaning that, you know, they're borrowing certain assets to change for another. And the economics that are being created outweigh perhaps at times. And, you know, again, uh, this isn't uh, painting everything a broad brush, you know, the value that's being created. So we we do question how short-lived some of the economics are going to be. I think the protocols will live on for a long time, but just Mm -hmm. whether how long the current hype will stay, as in, can you keep just creating more tokens and the price going up and up and up and encouraging behavior that wouldn't really be doing in a, in, if I could say it, a, a rational market. So I think it'll be interesting to see like after that, a month, two months, three months down the road, where, where the space is at. And if people are, are using protocols for what they are using them today. 
but it's something that we're following closely. I think the easiest way for us to participate would be uh, to support uh, other assets, but we don't want it to be a distraction to what we're building. And everything that we do, we want to make sure that it's helping people and not um, you know, encouraging them to, to, to speculate too much and take on undue risks. So. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It seems like the DeFi hype is real. I mean, everybody is talking about DeFi, at least from my perspective, it seems like everybody's talking about DeFi. I always think that Bitcoin and crypto aficionados are kind of split into two broad factions, right? Like there's people that are into crypto because of the technology and there's people that are into crypto as investors. Obviously they intersect with one another, but I wonder if the people that are into Bitcoin and crypto for the technology are the ones that are really avid DeFi fans and the investors i wonder if there's really that many investors in the DeFi space like serious investors in the DeFi space any input on that yeah in the industry that we're in there's probably more examples of build something first and see if it will use it just because there's no industry like a crypto where you can put something out there and then the whole world can adopt it so quickly right so i definitely agree with your analogy of that i i just think that there What's interesting about the whole space is there's perceivably so many different things being created that I don't really know how everything could work. And I guess that's the point. It's just I've never been in an industry before where you can create something so quickly and then put it out there to see if it'll work. It's almost like there doesn't have to be a business case for it. You can create the product first and then if it gets adopted, it blows up because the potential market size is so high. So, so many people are willing to try. Right. Yeah, you're 100% yeah. right on that. And if hype is any indication, then DeFi is going to have a place for the investor side of things. And it probably already does. It likely already does. I mean, I know we have a lot of customers at Bitcoin.tax that do a lot of DeFi trading and have a lot of like the compound tokens and stuff like that. I mean, Coinbase just added support for compound, I believe, right? Yep. It seems like it came out of nowhere, to be honest. Maybe I was just so used to dealing with cryptocurrency taxation and we were trying to make the best crypto taxation experience for everybody that DeFi just came out of nowhere and all of a sudden it was this hype beast that everybody was talking about. Yeah, well, well Compound started it because they floated their governance token. So it was the first time that they started to distribute it. So 50% of the way, as I understand it, the Compound, there's a certain amount of distribution of Compound tokens uh, daily for lenders and borrowers. And it's split 50-50 between lenders and borrowers. And so right, obviously, pre-hut, that, that was kind of kicked it off is that it was the first time that they changed the protocol to allow the Compound uh, tokens to be distributed. And they started to flow from their initial holdings into the hands of users and then be able to be actively traded. So, and then that I think was the catalyst to start a whole bunch of other interests in DeFi. Speaking of hype beasts, (laughs) um, (laughs) you you guys deal with a few different coins. You mentioned Bitcoin, you deal with uh, USDC. On your website, I saw you guys talk a little bit about DAI. Do you guys deal with DAI as well? Okay. Uh, We do, yep. Okay. Obviously, if you're dealing with DAI, then you're using ETH to a degree. So are you guys looking at ETH products or anything like that or looking to focus more on Ethereum in general? Yeah. So the reason we got into DAI initially was uh, when we surveyed our clients in Latin America and other countries that have challenges with banking, DAI was really the requested name as far as a stablecoin to help them get synthetic dollars to them and avoid hassles with declaring. And so again, it's not like any of our clients wanted to be not compliant. It's just that any incoming transfer to a bank is automatically declared income before. So it's almost like you're guilty until proven innocent as mm-hmm. far as uh, from, from tax perspective. So it was just a whole bunch of paperwork. And so when you had died, it just allowed them to work through the same use case without that challenges. On ETH specifically, 
Well, we've had quite a bit of requests to add ETH as collateral for loans. Uh, so that's something we're evaluating and just always weighing it against the other uh, pieces that I mentioned and improving the products. So uh, definitely on the roadmap, it's just as far as uh, when and where. Cool. Well, I hope that Ledin has a lot of success. I think it's a necessary product. I think it's a very interesting product. You obviously know your stuff. You know what you're talking about. I'm sure your team is a very knowledgeable team. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about Ledin with us and just sharing this information with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. I really enjoyed the chat. Of course. So how can somebody reach out to you and where should they go if they want to either get a loan or do the B2X or any of the savings accounts that we talked about? Yeah, so you can reach out. Uh, Ledin's website is ledn.io. And uh, you can apply for all of our products there. Super quick, uh, uh, two-minute uh, onboarding. Um, my Twitter is probably the best way to reach me. Uh, Adam Reads, all one word. Or I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay, perfect. And we'll have uh, links to all of your social media on our website at talk.bitcoin.txt. And Adam, thank you very much again, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Bitcoin Taxes Podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more cryptocurrency and blockchain-related podcasts. Don't forget to check out our new mini podcast, The Cryptocurrency Informer, where we highlight interesting events occurring each week in the crypto and crypto adjacent spaces.